Hello and thank you for joining us today for Frost and Sullivan's latest webinar. Today's event is titled, The Future of Insurance. My name is Anna and I oversee Frost and Sullivan's Growth Innovation and Leadership Briefings. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Lauren. Hi everyone, my name is Lauren Taylor. I am a Principal Consultant in the Visionary Innovation Group at Frost and Sullivan. For those of you that aren't familiar with this group, we um, are a horizontal group that takes a longer-term strategic view. Um, we tend to look five to ten years out and we look at cross-industry convergence and disruption and our work is underpinned by megatrends. Claire? Hello, my name is Claire Walker, and I'm the industry principal for the Business and Financial Services Group here at Frost & Sullivan, where I cover fintech. I work with colleagues in other, um, other groups, including information and communication technologies and our tech vision groups as well. We collaborate and contribute to our comprehensive fintech research program here. Okay, everyone, just an overview of what we'll be discussing today. Um, so after introductions, we we're going to be covering two studies. So um, Claire and myself have um, each uh, the, the Future of Insurance study. It uh, was released about three weeks ago. So we'll touch on um, some of the content in that study, the future of insurable markets, emerging business models, evolving operations, and then um, future insurance opportunities. And then I'll turn it over to Claire, who will cover her um, North American insure tech market um, that is covers growth opportunities and companies to action. So she'll overview the InsureTech uh, ecosystem and she'll give a company to action example and then she'll have some predictions and wrap up. And then we'll give you information on how to join the conversation and um, we will then open it up for questions. So one thing I want to just say before we get into the future of insurance study is that um, in this study we focus on business and personal insurance, so areas like life, property, and casualty, but we don't get into health insurance and we also don't really get into the investment side of insurance. So um, <clears throat> the first thing that we'll take a look at is the future of insurable markets. So in the study we look at 24 different emerging markets, and they range from emerging markets like urbanization and smart cities to social groups with growing influence and technology that's becoming increasingly mainstream like wearables and augmented reality. Um, we look at trends that are more near-term like wearables, natural catastrophe, cybersecurity, and then we also um, kind of along a spectrum look at trends that are further out on the horizon like implants, biological augmentation, and self-healing materials. And just to orient you to um, how the next few slides will go as well as how this portion of the study is structured, for each of these topics we'll give a brief overview of the trend, we'll discuss the challenges they present for insurers, as well as the opportunities arising from them. And in the study we also go into the trend adoption timeline. So there's obviously too many of these topics to go into this for this study um, during this call, but uh, we'll touch on a few of them in the next few slides. Um, so smart cities is a topic that the Visionary Innovation Group at Frost & Sullivan has been covering extensively for a long time, and we define smart cities using the eight parameters shown on this wheel. 
We classify a city as smart if it meets five of these criteria, and infrastructure is a required criteria. So if this is not an area that your company is thinking about already, you should be. Um, there's already over 90 smart cities around the globe, and in just a few years, by 2022, there will be more than 180. Um, so smart cities are really uh, growing in reaction to increasing urbanization and the strain that growing populations are putting on infrastructure, and they're primarily being led by higher wealth cities at this point. But Smart cities present a number of challenges for insurers. So as cities become more sensorized and automated, they increasingly run the risk of property and liability loss, um, and even things like a full smart city system crash. Other challenges include things like the ability to pinpoint malfunction responsibility, and then also increased opportunity for cyber risk. However, they present new opportunities for insurers. So smart cities allow insurers to tap into new data sources and even real-time data that can be improved for underwriting accuracy. Um, they also allow insurers to develop new offerings for individual smart city solutions, like smart buildings or even components within the buildings. Um, we also expect that smart cities will allow for more usage-based insurance opportunities as insurers are able to see specific usage behaviors in buildings, grids, meters, and so on. Now the next topic that we'll touch on are millennials. And so I'm, I expect everyone here is pretty familiar with millennials. They have, very, um, they have different kind of life stages and life patterns than um, uh, preceding generations. Uh, one thing that's of most interest to insurers is that they tend to have a lower rate of insurance ownership than preceding generations. So um, challenges that they present apart from being the least insured generation is that they really they demand a lot of insurers in terms of they expect a high degree of personalization, they are very informed, and they can easily access a lot of competitive options. They also grew up as a digital generation, and so their you know, interactions with companies like Google and Amazon have really reframed their customer interaction expectations. Um, their changing lifestyles require new insurance products. And then also, just from more of an internal perspective, finding millennials interested in working in insurance has been a challenge at times although they really do present um, a capability to facilitate change and modernization in the industry. Now, those are the challenges, but they present opportunities as well. Uh, they uh, present the opportunity for less agents and other intermediaries. Um, they also allow insurers to shift their focus and offerings to transitional and smaller scale products like renter's insurance versus home insurance, or ride-sharing insurance versus car insurance. And millennials may be more readily um, embrace new technology such as artificial intelligence and wearables in their insurance journey. Now, the next topic that I want to go over is wearables. So today when we think of wearables, we think about things like smartwatches or Fitbits and, and things of that nature. But really the nature of wearables will continue to evolve. So it will begin to look you know, like video recording contacts or smart boots that track worker safety. So for example, they may, um, let's say a construction worker, um, their boots may begin to vibrate if they step into an unsafe zone. 
or glasses that can tell if a worker is becoming fatigued and blinking too much. So the challenges with the wearable market are that it's currently a very small market um, and the demand for safety wearables that are likely to have the greatest impact um, is, is relatively low at the moment. And due to this, there's limited data available on wearables effectiveness outside of the healthcare and health insurance applications. Uh, there's also concerns around sensitivity of data collected by wearables and, and kind of the related privacy issues. But they do present um, really strong opportunities. So when we think about this as kind of on the job and um, you know, liability and casualty insurance, you think about opportunities like reduction of worker liability claims and optimization of worker liability premiums. Other things like uh, work product liability for the wearables could become a growing insurable market, and also the ability to gain more accurate records of claims events. On more of the personal side of insurance, there's opportunities for optimized life insurance premiums based on vital tracking that uh, wearables can provide. And then lastly, just from kind of an internal operations perspective, there's an opportunity to increase adjuster productivity with the use of wearables. Now, the next market that we'll talk about is behavioral science and gamification. So these are a little bit of a different animal in that these are more of a um, kind of science and scenario building. So behavioral science is really about optimizing scenarios and decision components to influence decisions. Um, it's something that's increasingly being used in the tech space, and some insure techs have begun to incorporate these practices. Um, gamification, that's really about creating a more video game-like experience that drives increased interaction, and I've got some examples of um, both of these on the slide. So the challenge, um, you know, kind of a long-time challenge that insurance has had has been sort of the um, emphasis that individuals tend to put on the future versus, I mean, tend to put on the present versus the future, and so this is been a challenge for insurers in terms of selling things like disaster mitigation insurance or life insurance. So um, that's been a long challenge. That's something that these can help with. Um, but other challenges have included, or as insurers look to include these disciplines in their um, companies and, and practices, is that behavioral science techniques and insights are likely to require process redesigns, um, require funding, time, and retraining. But then also they'll require hiring new talent or potentially outsourcing um, the expertise to third parties that could be extensive. But the opportunities that they present, um, they really have the ability to optimize desirable behaviors, um, particularly when uh, you know customers' attention span is decreased and information op options are increased. Um, you know, examples that are being used in um, InsureTech today are things like honesty pledges at the beginning of a claims process that can help to decrease fraudulent activity. Um, and then, as I mentioned at the beginning, things like um, using tools to really sort of reframe this uh, particular aspect called the hyperbolic time discount, that can lead to increased purchase of insurance. So that's really kind of bringing home these future scenarios to make them feel more pertinent today. Um, so the last topic that we'll take a look at in terms of insurable markets is implants. So this is kind of further out on the horizon, um, uh, you know, one of those longer term things that you can begin thinking about now. But 
Implants really represent kind of the next stage of wearables. Um, Longer-term implants include things like brain-machine interfaces, um, and near-term things are um, like subdermal RFID uh, implants. And so, um, like, for example, subdermal RFID implants, this is something that, you know, originally kind of started with, like, hackers and so on, but there's some companies in the Northwest in the U.S. and also in Scandinavia that are testing this out with all of their employees to see what benefits it can bring. And we have a number of examples on the slide, but, you know, challenges that these things present is that they're obviously a very small market, and in many cases it's still in development or in experimental testing phases, um, and they bring with them concerns over big brother tracking or lack of privacy, um, but there's also aspects like you know, unknown or long-term health effects. Like, for example, something that's been reported in RFID implants are um, lots of sensation in the implant area. Um, but they do bring opportunities. So there's opportunity in user identity data and validation and protection and also cybersecurity protection. Um, there's also opportunities in, like, high-value or missing persons, criminal tracking and, and um, applications like that. Uh, as well as, you know, as these grow, product liability opportunities, um, because these products are likely to be expensive as well as have critical functionality. So the next area that we're going to take a look at are emerging business models. Um, we cover a number of these in the study, as you can see. Um, these have, in many cases, been driven by insurtechs, although some, like microinsurance, have been around for a while, and they've been heavily adopted by traditional insurers. We'll touch on each of these, and we'll go into a little bit more depth on on-demand in the next couple slides, but prevention is a service. So this is um, a business model that really shifts the role of insurers from assessing risk and play, paying claims on realized risk um, to providing products and services that minimize or prevent that risk and ultimately minimizing claims. So these can come in the form of subsidizing products for policyholders to purchase that will limit future claims, um, while also in turn discounting those policies. So this model offers insurers a way to add additional revenue streams for preventative services, particularly in a time when you know, some traditional revenues um, like automotive are set to decline. Um, but this model has a considerable reliance on customers agreeing to share their data. Now, usage-based insurance, I expect that most of you are familiar with this, um, and, and really this will just continue to evolve. So if we use auto insurance as an example, we can expect to see that evolve from, you know, today where there may be more of a focus on dongle or cell-based tracking um, for this type of insurance, and, uh, you know, the tracking may be limited to an initial validation period. We can expect this to see more led by um, connected vehicles and the data emanating from the vehicle and something that is ongoing and on a real-time basis. Now, the next one I want to look at is the ecosystem platform. So this is really the idea of a comprehensive data collection and analysis platform that extends into the home, transportation, health, work, and leisure environments. So, the platform incorporates products and services that go beyond the scope of traditional insurance, typically. Um, and the features may include lifestyle improvement recommendations, energy-saving tips, and marketing offers. But really, the idea here is that there is increased data for insurers to use and to leverage the data that they've previously been um, collecting. 
as I said, we'll go into on demand on the next couple slides. Bundled, um, so in this insurance model, the product, uh, the insurance is bundled with the product at its sale. And I, I think one of the most interesting examples here is Tesla that has suggested that it may offer lifetime insurance for its vehicles as well as um, future maintenance costs bundled into the cost of the vehicle when sold. Um, there's other um, kind of variations on that, but I think that's a, a really interesting um, potential case study. Then you've got peer-to-peer. -peer. So this is kind of following other peer-to-peer -peer models in other industries, but essentially buying groups um, of businesses or consumers that are created either independently or via intermediaries um, in which they form their own pool to cover particular specified risks. So in some cases, this can cut out the um, insurer. So it's definitely, it's a small space, but it's something to keep an eye on. Microinsurance, again, this has been around for a while. Um, I think one of the interesting, inter interesting trends here is that while it's traditionally been something that's been focused on developing countries, um, it, I think, increasingly has a place in developed countries as we see increases in income divides. And then the last area is value-added services. So this is uh, the idea of additional services and revenue streams that insurers can incorporate into their businesses to take advantage of emerging technology, data streams, and insights. And um, these really, this, this business model really is kind of working towards a better client relationship. So just digging a little bit deeper into on-demand, this is really, um, you know, insurance products that you get the moment you need it, um, and they're most often for limited events. Um, so technology is driving this, as well as the rise of digitally savvy generations that are more likely to have income restraints. Um, and we've got a few um, kind of, you know, where we think this is going. And one example is we expect to see more purchases of this type of insurance via app stores or um, when you buy items on Amazon. Now, a few examples of on-demand insurance, we've got things like sports equipment damage protection or high-end photography equipment protection on location, even things like public spaces terrorism protection. And really, again, here the idea is that you have the insurance when and where you need it. So for example, this really helps millennials that you know may want very low renter's insurance, but they want to supplement that for their expensive items on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, the next area that we'll look at is evolving operations. Um, so um, we'll go into emerging data sources a little bit more on the next slide, but um, artificial intelligence, so this is really using being used across all um, areas of insurance from marketing, underwriting, investments, and claims. And you know, applications range from analyzing large disparate data sets to generating increasingly personalized insights, um, and then also for real-time data analysis. Now, automation in policy generation, um, it, or it, it, it um, is being applied in policy generation, administration, also claims processing. Um, and examples include quote, estimate generation, robo-advisors, smart contracts, chatbots, preventative alerts, mobile apps, claim submission, and also things like damage assessment by drone. Um, the next one, core systems and IT infrastructure. So this has really been one of the biggest challenges for traditional insurers. And this is really about transitioning legacy systems um, 
to the modern needs of today. Um, it, it is a challenge, but um, it, now, it allows for enablement of rapid product and service introductions, greater scalability, and wider accessibility to systems that are highly secure and reliable. And then the last one is personnel and cultural shift. So this is really about making insurance more attractive to younger talent, um, shifting from a traditionally conservative culture to a culture of innovation, and then modernizing your personnel structure to create new business units like behavioral science, um, you know, uh, really bulking up your data and analytics division, um, focus on digital solutions, and also new positions like chief data officer, IOT specialist, um, and then also cultivating skill sets like digital acumen and creativity. Now, going a little bit deeper on um, emerging data sources, these sources are used in underwriting and claims evaluation, and they include things like conversational speech, wearables data sources, smart homes, drone data, and so on. Um, and they really allow for faster claims processing, and improved risk modeling, and capabilities like dynamic pricing. Um, but they will require system upgrades like increased data storage and management, um, artificial analysis capabilities, and so on. So um, we've just got a couple more slides for the future of insurance, and we'll look at um, some specific insurance opportunities. And these are just you know, hitting a couple highlights in the study. The study goes into much more detail. Um, but for example, for home and residential insurance, looking at new opportunities around smart building malfunction, hacking, negligence, and breach of privacy, smart building hostage insurance. Um, for property insurance, looking at smaller property items like laptops. Um, so for example, on-demand laptop protection while you're on a business trip. Uh, for automotive insurance, um, getting more into micro-personalization of coverage for millennials with multimodal habits. Um, then also um, a shift from insuring, um, a shift to insuring the vehicle systems and technology rather than the, the driver. For recreational vehicles, we see emergence of um, more usage-based insurance like, for example, with boats, so pay as you dock. Um, for life insurance, uh, again, this is really something where we see an opportunity for virtual reality um, and that kind of um, assisting in terms of marketing where it um, can put you in a future scenario, whether, you know, if you've um, bought uh, in life insurance or not, it can bring those longer-term scenarios um, home and make them feel more real today to incentivize purchase. There's also offerings for, um, increased offerings for extreme longevity. Um, and then other uh, things include um, holiday or weekend travel policy on or even things like on-demand restaurant food and allergy protection. And then so lastly, we have um, a few insurance op um, opportunities for um, the business side of things. So for liability, um, you know, as like worker habits change, you've got more home workers or shared workspace workers. You've got opportunities for products like homeworkers coverage and business interruption, shared workspace coverage and business interruption, and things like cyber protection. And then with property, you have um, opportunities like preventative smart building or connected device solutions for avoiding business downtime, damage, and risks. And then also opportunities for 
um, virtual reality and augmented reality digital twins that can um, aid in assessing claims so you can see the before and after. And then finally, casualty insurance. Um, we talked about wearables that can reduce worker liability claims and optimization of worker liability premiums, particularly in industrial wearables. And then um, the ability to gain more accurate records of claim events via wearables. So with that, I will turn it over to Claire to uh, talk about the InsureTech market. Thank you, Lauren. Um, I will bring you into an InsureTech overview and a look at the ecosystem and some companies to action um, that we have been looking at. So first slide here um, up front, we have some highlights from the insurance and InsureTech industries as we transition into this part of the presentation where I'll be diving a little deeper into the InsureTech market specifically and what is affecting it on more of a micro level. Um, Foston Sullivan's research has the market growing at a CAGR of 7.3 through the next five years. North America is a very significant and growing piece of that, totaling more than $500 million in 2018. Obviously, traditional insurance carriers have taken note of this, this growing InsureTech market. Um, and we are defining InsureTech market for our purposes as comprising both enabling technology companies that help insurance companies with their processes on the front and back end, as well as the disruptors of which we've all likely heard, the big ones like Lemonade and Oscar. Um, when we speak with people in the insurance and insurtech industries, customer experience is often what comes up as a big driver for them to innovate. Partnering with technology and specifically insurtech companies is mutually, mutually beneficial. Um, Large insurance companies often have the capital and can reinsure uh, startups and partner with them for that purpose. They also have the market reach, the brand recognition, things like that, the infrastructure. And by using real-time data, cloud computing, other technologies um, and systems provided by insure tech companies, it helps insurers have that holistic view of their customers, which they're always striving for, and the ability to better forecast needs and assess potential. Uh, one of the things I'll talk about a bit more is the InsureTech investment that's been going on the last couple of years. There is data through Q3 in 2018, which totals about $2.5 billion, which has already surpassed the total investment in 2017, which was about $2.2 billion. No signs of slowing down there. Uh, there have also been a number of partnerships and M&A activity, of course, um, including some of the largest deals here that we highlight with AXA acquiring Excel Group for $15.3 billion and AIG buying Validus um, for $5.56 billion. Um, and just a quick overview of what's happening in the insurance industry as a whole. Uh, the losses were huge in 2017. In 2018, those numbers are likely to be similar. For example, just the wildfires in California alone will amount to losses currently being estimated around 13 to up to 15 billion. And of course, some of the larger insur insurers have um, some large exposure to from those fires. So here on this slide, we're talking about major impacts on the market that are happening right now. Of course. Uh, the increased use of IoT and telematics, AI, et cetera. AI in particular is, is pretty mainstream now and being used for the customer insight as well as on the back end to automate. Um, the technologies are helping insurance companies with the mountains of data that they have that's being collected on customers, and this will be increasing with the use of the new devices that Lauren talked about, wearables, things like that. Insurance is obviously a highly regulated industry, so how changes and continued data privacy concerns will impact how insurers and how they do their business that's a constant concern for carriers. Um, ongoing collaboration and acquisitions, which I've mentioned before. Uh, insurance companies will need to use these technologies um, 
and use them in conjunction together, AI and machine learning to mine what they have and continually upgrade and personalize offerings and services. Um, new product lines have emerged as well with the rise of InsureTech. These startups have found new ways to serve customers with things like peer-to-peer -peer and on-demand insurance, which uh, Lauren touched on as well. There has also been talk about big tech entering the insurance space, Amazon in particular. Um, obviously, they have co copious amounts of data um, on individuals and their homes, and so there's possibly uh, there's that to they'd be able to leverage the smart home devices to better serve their customers and provide individualized quotes and services. This slide illustrates the current InsureTech eco uh, ecosystem here in North America. There are some select InsureTech companies on the left, startups, enablers, and disruptors. Obviously, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but includes some of the bigger names in health and auto and personal, as well as some of the major carriers that are partnering with them or sometimes investing in them. Um, insurance companies must be regulated and licensed at the state level as well, so again, highly regulated. Um, some of the insurtechs rely on established incumbents to underwrite their risk as well. Um, insurtechs are able to go to market fundamentally in different ways than incumbents can. Um, one advantage insurtechs exploit is their freedom from legacy products and processes and systems. They're able to design digital processes, products, and systems from the ground up, relying on uh, their technology. Uh, they can maximize their value in a number of ways, um, which are really characteristic of truly digital enterprises. Um, some of the investors are highlighted here as well, uh, VC and companies that have put their money here. And we will dive into uh, the growing VC investments in a few slides. Another depiction of just a portion of the insure techs that have emerged in each sector. Uh, this is a North American focus slide, but we'll um, show you just how diverse the insure tech companies are, where they're sitting along the chain, and what they're providing in auto, in benefits, uh, commercial, et cetera. Uh, there are some that are taking over the space where incumbents traditionally sit, but many are providing a valuable opportunity for carriers to learn from and partner with in the changing landscape. Later in the presentation, I will dive into one insurtech company to action and what they've been doing to change employee benefits in particular. Here is an overview following a bit on, again, what Lauren talked about, how technologies and what they are uh, doing in some detail here changing business models and what their impact has been on the insurance space. Obviously, it's been huge. Improved insurance processes has led to improved decision-making, faster processing of documents, and fraud detection, and that is really just the start. Uh, this shows how some of the ones we all talk about uh, that are here now and are currently being tested for implementation in the future. One, of course, is blockchain. Um, it, could be, it could really change insurance um, and many other industries as well, which is a very hot topic these days. Um, the implementation is coming, um, but its full adoption depends on network effects as well as on defining the regulatory conditions involved. Also, before initial implementation steps are taken, um, the benefits and limitations of the technology really need to be fully understood. So this chart looks at the global VC funding in InsurTech um, 2018 data through Q3. Shows, of course, what a huge year it was. Um, just pointing out some of the larger deals in the first quarter of 2018, um, Oscar Health closed that one $165 million uh, round followed by another 375 million in August. Um, the U.S. in particular accounted for 57% uh, from Q1 to Q3 of investments, and again, certainly no signs of uh, slowing down here. This slide shows the global insure tech market size. Um, you will see that North America is the second largest piece of the pie right now. The largest is uh, the Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Of course, we know the funding numbers, and based on the growth rate, or the growth we have seen over the last 
uh, three years, we expect the global insurtech market to reach up to $2.3 billion by 2025. Um, Fox and Sullivan expects the market to grow at a CAGR of 7.3 in that time. This forecast predicts a sharper growth um, through 2020, followed by steady increases through the 2023 and then to 2025. To get to these growth numbers, what we do is weigh the market drivers and restraints um, and I will discuss that right in the next slide. So here are some of the major drivers and restraints we see for the insurtech market currently. Um, improving customer experience to meet changing expectations and behaviors. The big one I mentioned at the beginning as well. Um, technology is changing customer interaction trends across markets. Uh, having experience changes in their um, own user experience across markets. They expect innovative products and services with high rates of interaction from insurance companies. Again, something Lauren talked about, having had a high exposure to digital technology and interactive platforms, millennial customers in particular have um, high expectations for speed and execution and personalized experience. Uh, that's increasing the demand for technology-led services, of course, in insurance. Insurers understand the need for customer centricity in their offerings and are uh, expanding their touch points um, for gaining better understanding of their customer needs. Um, carriers are also looking for increased and effective fraud detection and mitigation of risk. Um, with more than $34 billion lost in 2017 alone to fraudulent insurance claims, it's a huge priority protecting themselves from fraud with these innovative technologies. Uh, automated fraud detection um, is being implemented pretty regularly, as well as continued growth and adoption of IoT and telematics. So with the increased use of IoT, telematics, wearable technologies, insurance, insurers have access to live data about the lifestyle of their clients. Access to this data has resulted in changes toward a customer-centric, usage-based pricing model leading to higher rates of satisfaction. A few auto and house insurers have started to use this data uh, for more effective decisions on risk and, and pricing strategies as well. In terms of restraint, uh, cybersecurity, disruptions, and losses, again, in general, the insurance business is vulnerable to attacks. And because of the vast volumes of data they hold and collect, including the personal and health information of policyholders, loss of this data would result in identity theft, fraud, extortion, um, things like that. So then the rise in competition from insurtechs and big tech entrants uh, new entrants in the form of startups are likely to continue, um, increasing competition even for the niche markets. The idea of big tech entrants is a restraint for existing insurtechs in that they have managed, if they've managed to grow and become established at this point, um, and big tech has an advantage upon entry. Um, regulatory changes, certainly, I've mentioned that, that can be frequent. Uh, the state-by-state -state restrictions can also hold back entrants because of what it takes to get through. And now I'm just going to talk about one example. Um, one company to action here. In the study, there will be a few more examples, and we will provide more detail in this kind of area where we highlight these companies to action uh, in many of our studies across the industries. But I have an example here of an insurtech that dives a little bit deeper into where the point of disruption is, um, and this is for League Inc. League is a disruptor in the market, reimagining uh, health benefits for innovative companies that are focused on building a wellness-driven culture. The platform maximizes employee engagement and health and well-being while streamlining costs and the administration for the company providing it. Um, they also have individualized health plans that are tailored to the needs of, of the workforces today. Employees can choose what they want, whether it's complete coverage or a new addition to an existing package. It's much more personalized and not a one-size-fits-all type of model. Um, their latest round of funding was in the middle of 2018. They received $47.3 million, and with that, there are plans to expand. They started in Toronto and are working in the U.S. as well, and their next plan is to go into the U.K. Uh, and also expand into larger companies as well. Um, their bread and butter with small 
medium-sized businesses and fellow tech companies, Uber and Shopify, uh, to get their start. And they've really grown and been able to onboard other companies like Unilever. So this illustrates one company that has grown significantly in a very short time by onboarding companies that understand its culture and will continue to expand into other geographical locations as a result. Again, there are other examples in the study, and we point out where the disruption is in the process for, for all of those. Okay, so I want to wrap up with a final word about where we see the in insurance industry heading. Um, convergence of technologies is pretty inevitable. Um, you know, Lauren talked about this a lot as well, that in a few years, insure tech as a separate market may not exist. It will be kind of a fixed part of the insurance industry. Um, also, the new business models and evolving operations powered by AI, new devices, automation, um, all of these, these enabling technologies. Um, the possibility of big tech and insurance, again, Amazon utilizing their huge influence in data sources, uh, personalized lines of insurance and the continuing quest to get more personalized in marketing and services will continue to flourish. And finally, with increased entrance, um, consolidation is, is likely as a next step. Uh, continued acquisition, continued partnerships, um, that's, that's going to be inevitable. Um, and with that, I will turn it back over to Lauren to do a final wrap-up. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we just wanted to give you information on um, how you can get uh, more access and, and continue to join the conversation. So, um, you know, the first thing that you can do is you can gain access to the, to the full research study. So the Future of Insurance study is available now on frost.com. Um, the InsureTech study will be available in the, within the next few weeks. Um, and then you can also explore other megatrends and fintech research um, via an enterprise-wide subscription service. Um, and then we also, we offer a lot of uh, workshops where we take this content, you know, groups like um, my group and Claire's group would work together with your uh, companies to customize the content specific for your needs um, and work to achieve outcomes that you're specifically looking to achieve. Um, and then we also always encourage a culture of innovation, so we encourage you to distribute the findings and insights among your teams to spark innovation. Um, so with that, uh, here's our contact information, um, but we will open it up to questions that have been submitted, and I'll let Claire go first. Uh, sure. So. One of the first ones I have here is how can insurers identify the right insure text with, with, with which to engage and potentially partner? So, um, of course, finding the right insure text to engage with and de uh, depends on the need of the insurer, um, what is missing, what needs to be changed, updated. Uh, the partnerships can be kind of part of the transformation strategy, obviously. And so is it something that's closing a gap or do you need an instant uh, system? And so what the insure tech provides is obviously key where they are along the value chain, um, marketing and sales to administration and claims, and so what is the value for the company? Um, ideally, insurers want to partner in order to deliver kind of a combined value to customers, enhance that a value add, and to increase the insurers maybe time to market. Um, partners can obviously uh, strengthen an insurer's kind of nimbleness and enable them to try things out and change course easily if something doesn't work. It can open insurers up to take more risks and kind of create that differentiating value proposition that, you know, nowadays the whole disruption in, our, in the industry, you know, anybody who does, does something like that has the potential to 
to really stand out. Okay, um, I have one here about um, on the idea of on-demand insurance. Do you find it to be problematic if you don't know when you will need it? Um, do people forget to turn it on during those high-risk moments? Um, so I would say that this is a fairly small market at the moment and that there's just not, you know, uh, at the moment, not a huge awareness of these kinds of products. Um, but I do think that as awareness grows, people will um, become, you know, kind of remember more to turn it on. But I also think that this is an interesting question because it really brings together a number of the topics that we, um, that I talked about in my section. So, um, for example, there, uh, one InsureTech, a company called Sure, they, op they offer um, on-demand flight insurance for the duration of the flight, and you can activate that insurance up until the point of when your flight takes off. So I think, um, you know, kind of going back to how this really intersects with a number of these concepts, you know, this type of insurance can be bundled with the sale of the, um, with the sale of like a flight ticket. Um, and then also, you know, as you see increased integration um, and, and kind of technology capabilities, you could see things like, you know, apps and they send you pop-ups, oh, we see your, your flight's about to take off, do you want to activate your flight insurance? But for things like, you know, maybe terrorism or, um, you know, laptop protection, you could see, you know, maybe similar notifications with, oh, we see you're going on a trip, do you want to protect your laptop? Or, um, you know, I think maybe the terrorism one in terms of pop-ups, it might be um, a little bit more complicated, but, you know, it could be like a location-based thing. But I think all of this stuff is, uh, you know, concepts that are still maturing. Um, but um, I, I think, yeah, it probably is a, a little bit problematic at the moment for just in terms of awareness that maybe people remembering to access these um, on-demand insurance products. Okay. Um, this is Claire again. I have another one. Um, and it's about um, can you touch on the role of the agent given the rise of InsureTech? And so, um, you know, this is something we have spoken with people in the industry about quite a bit, and, and there are different approaches, but just generally speaking right here, uh, agents are, you know, likely to stick around as part of the ecosystem, certainly in the near term. Um, you know, the role may change eventually, though, kind of focusing on certain parts of the sales cycle only, for example, but, um, I mean, generally speaking, I think they uh, will also, of course, and I think they have been uh, embracing and utilizing uh, the technology for their part um, in the journey. Um, okay, and then I've got one on um, asking about what are the biggest transformations um, to expect in insurance. Um, so I would definitely categorize these under three uh, buckets. So one, I would say social trends. Um, so when you think about the rise of um, kind of growing um, population trends from like millennials to the elderly to, um, you know, uh, growing diversity, these kinds of things, um, that is definitely something to pay attention to. Um, you know, an example I always like with uh, the elderly is, you know, on-demand insurance. You typically think of that as something that is, you know, more kind of tech-savvy millennials will be interested in, but it really has a big role for uh, the elderly who increasingly are going to drive less and less, and so they're going to appreciate products like that where they have to pay less because they drive less. Um, but then also the second bucket I would say is emerging technologies. I think we've talked about this a lot in this presentation, but, you know, things like IoT and artificial intelligence and these kinds of things. Um, I think what's also important for uh, 
traditional insurers to be aware of this is that you know that that whole issue of transitioning legacy systems and that you know and that really kind of gives insure tech companies a a disruptive sort of leg up um, and that they don't they're not tied to these legacy systems so that will be something that's important for traditional insurers to incorporate and then lastly new business models um, you know we, we went through these but they're really kind of driving disintermediation in the industry. They're changing the power dynamics. Um, and also, but I think most importantly, they're really kind of redefining the role of insurance in people's lives. Um, and then I guess there's just one more question here, which is, um, you know, what will be some of the most important capabilities for insurers? Um, and so I think, I mean, um, and actually this is something we get into in the study, but, you know, they're really, it's, I think the capabilities needed from insurers are really going to, they're evolving across, you know, all aspects of the value chain from, you know, marketing and underwriting and policy servicing and claims and so on. But, like, some of the ones that I think are really interesting is really, you know, I think there's going to be an increased role need for insurers to educate consumers on the benefits of sharing their data. So this is something that's, Kind of increasingly taboo, but I think that you know there can really be a you know mutually beneficial aspect to this. So you know educating them on how they can benefit by sharing their data. Um, like I gave that elderly example, if they, show, if they share their driving history or their driving use, then they benefit from that. Um, but also I think there's going to be really a need for insurers to cultivate partnerships with third-party data providers. Um, so really this kind of um, you know integrating. Um, as much data as possible. Um, and then I think um, traditional insurers are going to have to um, develop capabilities around, you know, broad visibility into, like, social media activity and the ability to respond to that, acti that activity. So I think those are some of the, um, the needs that insurers, particularly traditional insurers, will need to evolve towards. Um, and I think that covers it for all the questions. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, this concludes today's webinar. Again, please contact us with any questions or additional feedback with the contact details displayed on your screen. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.